right, are you ready to flip some of those negative things around and uh, make your relationships better? Welcome to our second week in our series, Relation Flip. You know, uh, we often have these normal responses, these responses that we have in emergency situations. You've probably heard it before that the animal kingdom, that human beings have this response when they're put in a situation of emergency, they either fight or flight. Ever heard that before, right? You either sit there and you're like, okay, let's go, let's do this, let's fight an emergency situation, or you are out of there. Let's go, and we typically, different people are different personalities. Some people like to fight, some people like to run. All right, we'll take a quick little survey right here. If you tend to, in situations that is like, like emergency situations or let's frame it in a more practical way, maybe in a relationship situation where all of a sudden things are getting tense, do you tend to fight or flight? Raise your hand if you're a fighter. Raise your hand if you're a fighter. Look at this, we split the couples in half, most of them. Okay, all right. Raise your hand if you flight, if you take off, if you get out of there. Okay, all right. So some of you, all of a sudden, the the conversation is getting tense, and you're like, all right, let's go. Let's start having an argument. That's me. I love a good argument. Who can pass up a good argument with your spouse? This is like what brings color and life and seasoning to your relationships. A good debate, right? Or some of you are like, I'm out of here. We're done. The conversation is over. The door is shutting behind me, and we may or may not talk for a little while, okay? That's typically how we handle situations. That's how the animal kingdom does when a bear is attacking you in the woods, or sometimes in our relationships. Well, I want to toss an extra one out there, okay? And uh, that is going to be our topic for today. There is the fight There is the possibility for flight, but there's also another F, okay? And that is forgiveness. There's a possibility for forgiveness, all right? Um, What F word did you think I was going to use today? Um, All right, so uh, that is another option. It's another option when we are faced with emergency situations in relationships, where we're faced with like really difficult trying things that all of a sudden, if things go the wrong way, it could ruin a relationship for good. And so today we want to talk about forgiveness. You know, this is really at the core of the scripture. This is a core message of the entire Bible. That like what happened in like all of human history is that we have sinned. We have fallen away from God. We have ruined and harmed the relationship. That's what happens, right? When there's this crisis moment, many times it's someone sinned, someone harmed another. And that's what our relationship with God really really how it how it started in the beginning and how our relationship with God has gone is that we have uh, sinned against God we've broken relationship we've harmed that relationship 
But the whole story of Scripture is the picture, is that image of God offering and extending forgiveness over and over and over again. The relationship slips. The relationship is broken. The relationship is harmed. And God flips it right around. And God offers forgiveness. See, I think that, that many times our natural response, our natural human's response is to fight, is to flight, is to abandon a relationship sometimes, or maybe to fight it out. But God's response to, instead of making things worse, instead of like complicating things, he flips it around and offers forgiveness. You know, at the core of our healthy relationships, we should automatically... Look at how God treats us. Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, wouldn't it make sense that we would look at the creator of the universe, the one who formed all of our relationships, and focus our attention say, God, how would you handle it? How do you treat us? How do you treat me? And this is what God does. In fact, there is a direct connection, a very specific connection and specific communication that God gives us in scriptures about how we forgive, how we do that, and how our relationship with God is affected by that. Um, in scripture, it says in John 1, 4, uh, 1 John 4, 20, it says that... Th that if you don't have love in your heart for your neighbor, if you don't treat your neighbor like I treat you, how could you claim to be in relationship with me? In fact, it says, you are a liar. Liar. You're a liar if you say that you love God, but you hate your neighbor. You see, because there's a profound, direct connection between how we treat our relationships, and they should be modeled after how God treats us. If God is forgiving and God is loving and God offers grace and we in turn offer nothing but a fight or no forgiveness, we're missing it. We're missing something. And throughout scripture, it talks over and over. And there's reminders, even in the Lord's Prayer, reminders. It says, you know, forgive God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my trespasses. However, whatever translation you want to use, as I forgive others. As I forgive my neighbor. If you want to be forgiven, you need to forgive. How do you treat others? And so I'm going to ask you today to kind of do something that is against our natural inclination and open up yourself to the possibility of forgiveness when things are getting tense, when things are getting difficult. Okay, so um, a little side note, how you can uh, really gauge your relationship with God is how you treat others. Really, there's not, not much difference. There's not a significant difference in how we treat others in a relationship with God. If you want to say, God, how am I doing? Look at how you are treating other people. And that, is, that should pretty much sum it up. Because that's how direct the connection is. Uh, and that's what God talks about over and over in Scripture. So forgiveness is difficult. 
Forgiveness is a challenge. Forgiveness is not normally our natural inclination. We would prefer to get revenge. We would prefer to get back. We would prefer if everything was fair. Wouldn't it be great if we never had to forgive anybody? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if everybody else would just get their act together, right? Wouldn't it be great if no one ever had to forgive us? Wouldn't that be great? If no one ever had to forgive us for a misspoken word? Wouldn't it be great if no one ever had to forgive us for our sinful behavior? Wouldn't it be great if no one ever had to worry about that? But the reality is, if you can't figure out forgiveness, you're not going to be able to figure out any relationship, right? Isn't that true? Isn't it true that that is a standard and that is a, an ideal? Uh, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to forgive anybody? That is pretty much an impossible thing when we're talking about human relationships. Isn't that, isn't that just, isn't that impossible? Like, in fact, you, you, you hear all the time things like this when people th say things like, hey, I don't, I don't go to church anymore. I sit at home and I watch TV. I read my Bible. Me and Jesus are good, but I don't like all those stinking people in church. Those stinking people in church, stinking people are the worst people. They do mean things. They say one thing. They're singing songs in church, raising their hands, saying how wonderful they are. And then I see them. They really, deep down inside, their hearts are cold. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. We need forgiveness. We need others to forgive us. And guess what? God did in his infinite wisdom. He gave us a great community so we can learn how to forgive each other, right? Isn't that wonderful that God gave us that opportunity to forgive one another? Because you understand the conclusion, we need forgiveness, right? If you want to live in a world where you don't have to forgive anyone and no one has to forgive you, that is called heaven. That's what it's called, right? And we're... On our way, we look forward, we're praying, hoping, and striving towards that, but not today. That's not today. And so our, a key pillar in all of our relationships is we have to figure out this idea of forgiveness. How do we extend it? How do we receive it? Um, and so I'm going to read a story for you. I'm going to read an entire book in the Bible today. Uh, it's an interesting story. Um, you may not be very familiar with it. It's kind of uh, tucked away in the New Testament, the book of Philemon. It's the shortest book in the New Testament. Um, we might just read Jude today. That's another short book. And then we can get two books of the whole Bible out of the way today. You could just go like, what'd you do in church today? Oh, well, we read John 360. We read two books of the Bible. You need to up your church game, okay? No, um, we're going to read uh, the entire book of Philemon. It is an interesting short letter that gives us a great forgiveness story. Here it is. It's Paul writing this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Alpha, I think, our sister, 
And anyone want to try this one? Archippus. Thank you. Thank you, Archippus. Do you, you went to uh, junior high with a kid named Archippus? Okay. All right. Um, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement. Because you, because you brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So Paul's just writing a nice little encouraging word. To, um, to these few people uh, that have a church in their home. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as, no, uh, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ, that I appeal to you, for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he's become useful to both you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor... Uh, you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated for you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him back to you as you'd welcome me. If he has done you any wrongs or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Do I wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord? Refresh my heart in Christ? Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me. Because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Uh, I, anyone want to help with uh, some of these names? Um, I can't read that one. My fellow prisoner in Christ sends you greetings. And also, Mark. Uh, anybody? Thank you. You guys are wonderful. <laughs> what, what? I'm not good at pronouncing names. Demas and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Okay, you may not quite grasp all that is going on here. There's a lot of little subtleties and a lot of things that kind of we can read between the lines and some context that would help us understand what is going on. Let me kind of sum it up for you. Is it what seems to have happened? And like I said, we have to read a little bit between the lines. Is that there's this Onesimus person, okay, who was a slave to Philemon, who worked in his home, and at some point in time, 
He seems like he gets fed up, he gets upset, he seizes his opportunity and chance. He steals some stuff from Philemon and takes off and runs away. You know what? As a, I could totally understand that situation. If you're in that environment and you're in that world and you feel like, I'd like to do something different, but that's what he does. Um, he is maybe flees to Ephesus, which would be about 100 miles away. And Paul lives in uh, Ephesus for a season of time for about three and a half years. And so if this is exactly where they kind of encountered one another, it sounds as though Paul meets this Onesimus guy while he's hanging out in Ephesus. Did you catch all those? Okay, all right. You with me here? Befriends him, gets to know him, presumably introduces him to a relationship with Christ. And the guy's life is changed and he is different. And I can imagine kind of going like this. They meet for like a Wednesday small group, okay? Maybe even in Paul's prison cell as he was in prison at different points in time. And so maybe, maybe they're just coming, they're hanging out, having some coffee and donuts, uh, you know, doing a little discussion and all that stuff. And the topic of the Lord's Prayer or the topic of forgiveness comes up. And Paul's like, this is how our Lord taught us to pray. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. We, we need to remember to forgive uh, other people. Forgive others. You know, many people hate their enemies, but the Lord told us, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know what? Even when it's unjust and unfair, find a place of forgiveness and fi fi find that. Find that place. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he was dying? And he hung there in pain and agony. He had just enough strength. Sometimes he, he probably could barely even speak. And he, he mustered up enough strength to, to cry out and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We have to forgive our neighbor. What? That's a great small group, Paul. Um, but Paul is... Paul is confronts and, and befriends this person and at some point in time maybe the story comes out and says you know what I got a quite a history Onesimus starts to maybe confide in Paul and say I, I got a lot of things that happened in my past I used to be a slave I used to be a slave and there was a day where I just I took off and I stole some stuff to survive and, and that's why I'm here and Paul does something that is almost feels like bad advice. Almost feels like a little bit too much. He says, you need to go back. You need to go back and offer and, and, and make that right. To, to make the complete movie story, they should make a movie out of this, to make the story like full circle and complete is Paul knows Philemon, and Philemon is leading a church there. So Paul's like, I know that guy. I will write a letter on your behalf, and you need to go back. 
Okay, I don't know exactly how it went down, but that would be a decent movie, right? Would that be a decent movie? Pretty unbelievable, like all of the kind of the things that are going on here. And he asked him to go and do something that is really difficult, really challenging. You know, when Paul was there in Ephesus, as he was kind of, uh, the letter that he wrote to the Ephesians church, he reminded them of the same thing. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. I can imagine maybe at some point in time, as that church in Ephesus was like reading this letter, they might have said, remember our good old buddy Onesimus. Remember that story? Maybe they made reference to it. But Onesimus, at some point in time, works up the courage to say, I want to make things right. I want forgiveness. I want a new start. Being a person of forgiveness sometimes is incredibly challenging. And I want to just briefly, I don't, I'm not going to get too far down this road, and this, is, this is definitely could be a topic for another time, but... I want to talk about a little bit the dynamics of forgiveness is you have to understand forgiveness does not mean that you put yourself like in harm's way. That doesn't mean that if you are if there is a harmful relationship that somebody is in, if somebody does something really wrong, violent, violates somebody, does something in that way. There, there isn't an obligation. The, the scripture isn't telling us that you need to put yourself back in a situation like that and, and just like, like whatever. That's not at all what the scripture is saying. And the scripture is not also saying that, the, that when you offer forgiveness to others, it doesn't mean that like you are the victim in that situation. Sometimes you are definitely the victim in the situation. But what it is talking about is something that is true that we need to grasp with all of our relationships is that holding on to something and holding unforgiveness continually over and over in our heart for the long term is a poison that rots us to the core. And it's something that God demonstrates and says over and over that I will forgive you. I will offer this to you. It is not deserved. It is not something that you've earned. But that is how I will treat you. Treat your fellow neighbor the same way. It is some of the greatest therapy you could ever get. Is to come to a place and a point in time where you can forgive and move on. Now, again, there's still harm. There are scars, there is pain, and there are struggles that you may have to deal with, and there's consequences, real consequences of whatever you have dealt with in your life that unfortunately you're going to have to face. That is a part of the world that we live in, and that is something unfortunately that we cannot avoid. We live in a world where people will harm us, and we live in a world where we will harm others. And so the answer and the flipping the script part is to say, will 
you be willing to do what others aren't willing to do? Will you forgive? Will you act like God acts towards us? Or will you be the person that in your old age is still holding on to something that happened years and years ago? Will you be that person? You know, there will be justice. There will be consequences for people's actions. If someone harms us, if somebody does the you know, awful things to you, they will face their maker, but so will we. And the answer that we have to give is, God, it was a struggle, it was a challenge, but in my best effort, God, give me grace. I offered forgiveness as I could. I did, as I could. There are dramatic, difficult, serious situations like this one where there is some serious harm, serious pain, and things that you'll carry in somewhere or another your whole life. But the answer still is to say, God, I give it away. God, I offer forgiveness even if it's really, really difficult and hard. But really, the practicality of it in the day-to-day life is in our day-to-day interactions, in our just typical, ordinary conversations with people on a regular basis. This is, this is sometimes something that we, we, we also don't do. In these trivial, small things, we don't offer forgiveness to others. We're able to remember, like, months ago when our spouse said one thing that was like they were in a bad mood and they they misspoke. We we have to be more gracious than this. We have to be more kind and and compassionate to this. We have to be more open-handed towards coworkers and people that we work with, acquaintances and these things. We have to. And if you struggle with this, reflect on the grace of God. Reflect on how God has forgiven you over and over and over. If you want it to be a level playing field, just remember God gave up his life for you. Forgiveness is tough. But at some point in time, Onesimus realized, I got to forgive I got to make a repair. I got to I I got to I got to do something different. You know, we could go down a road of conversation of hey Philemon, what are you doing with slaves or what's going on? What's this re-? Yeah, there's lots of different things that we could talk about, but he in that moment in time says, "I am going to f- try to offer and find forgiveness from the person that I harmed." Who do you need to forgive? Who in your life do you need to forgive? Doesn't mean you're going to be best buddies. Doesn't even mean maybe that you can even physically go and speak to that person personally. Maybe that is not possible because of the harm that has happened. But I do think you need to forgive. I do think by the grace of God you need to find that place. You need to offer that. Even if it's just in your own prayers. On your own. Who is it that you need to forgive? How can you do something even dramatic like Onesimus does to repair the harm? 
You know, it's interesting at the end of this, um, the end of this book, it kind of does something that the Bible does on a regular basis. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, it's a letter to a group of people, and it kind of just tosses out a few more names into the equation. Um, there's there's a number of names that are mentioned. I can't pronounce the first one, so we're skipping it. Somebody uh, helped me with that one already, but Mark is listed here. You know who that is? He wrote the book of Mark. Do you know who Mark is? Mark is Paul's buddy. Mark was with him. And he's like, hey, Mark is with me. Wow, Mark. Can you imagine if you could, like, if I could say that on Sunday? Get, guess who the guest is we have today? Mark, the, write, the author of Mark. Pretty stinking good. Only four people wrote a gospel. That Mark. Wow, what a superstar, right? Mark, when Jesus was, uh, probably was Mark, we don't know for sure, but Mark, when Jesus was getting arrested, he was probably a, a, a young kid that was a teenager maybe, hanging around and was a part of the, uh, not the inner 12, but like a, was hanging around Jesus a little bit. And when Jesus got arrested, there's a little story in the book of Mark. It's only in the book of Mark, and people think it was because it was Mark. It says, there was a young boy that ran away so scared that he left his clothes behind because he was so terrified when Jesus got arrested. He ran away naked, running away because he was scared. That was probably, that was Mark. Guess what else Mark did? Later on, Mark went and said, I'm Mark. I'm the naked boy that was running around. I want to make repairs and fix this. So I'm going to travel with you, Paul. Paul's going on all these journeys. Paul's doing amazing things. He's like doing all this stuff. He's getting thrown in prison. Mark is traveling with Paul. And guess what happens? Mark took off. Mark, it was too much. Mark abandoned Paul on one of his missionary journeys. That's what Mark did. Same guy that wrote the book of Mark. Seems like two times when things got tough, he was the flight type of person, and he took off, and he abandoned the mission because it was getting a little rough. Paul, in his letter, says, guess who's with me? Mark's with me. We've, we've repaired that relationship. We've restored that, and Mark is with me. The next person... Um, it says, okay, this guy, Aristarchus, okay, um, he was a prisoner with Paul. The scripture doesn't tell us much about him, but at some point in time, it seems like this guy maybe was a cellmate. With Paul. My guess is typically, if you meet people in prison, they typically have a story or two to tell, right? Something went down. That's the other guy that's hanging out with Paul. Okay, then we got another one Luke. Luke, look at this. Look at the people that Paul hangs out with. Luke is. The physician, Luke, is the historian. 
that writes the book of Luke and the book of Acts. One of the most educated uh, writers in the gospel, and Luke is hanging out with him. Luke was a prisoner with Paul in Rome as well. He was there when they were in prison through those difficult times. Demas was there, it says. He actually left and deserted Paul uh, later on. So at this story right here, it says Demas was there. Is that how you say it? Anybody have a problem with me calling him? Is that okay? Okay. He was there. But guess what? Demas later on, after this was written, he abandoned him. And he took off. And he left. And Paul says he left because the worries of the world were too much for him. And he abandoned us. He makes that note in the book of Timothy. And so this group of people... And maybe, here's, here's, here's my hope, okay? We already are, got the rights for the Onesimus story with Disney. We're going to make that movie. If it goes well, if in the box office we make $100 million for that movie, the sequel, you know, just a pure money grab, will be the story of Demas, who abandoned Paul later on. But maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll come back once he hears the story of Onesimus. And maybe he will come back and be restored. Who knows? You know, one of the early Christian writers um, wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he wrote, and he wrote about a bunch of different people. And he mentioned in his letter, he greeted a bishop of the church in Ephesus by the name of Onesimus. Uh, a few, a little bit after that, about a half a generation after Paul was gone. And he wrote to that church that was uh, there, and he said, the bishop in your church, Onesimus. We don't know if that's the same one. I kind of think it was. That at some point in time, he went, he went to Philemon, he restored that relationship, and at some point in time, he was freed, became a leader in that very church where maybe he met Paul or encountered Paul. It's, do you understand that the picture of the community of faith Sometimes we look at all these people, Mark and Luke and all these people, we're like, wow, these guys were amazing. No, they were pictures of forgiveness. That's what they were. They were pictures of forgiveness. They were pictures of people whose lives were changed when other people were like, it's okay. You're still one of us. You're forgiven. And that is the beautiful picture of the community of faith. That's the beautiful picture of our relationships that are completely different from what the natural tendency is to do something different. Forgiveness is incredibly powerful. It's hard, but it's at the core of what 
our relationship with God is all about. God offers us forgiveness. It says, forgive others. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you would help us flip our relationships around. There's there's times where relationships in our life have gone sour, have gone cold, because we didn't restore, we didn't repair, we didn't offer forgiveness, we didn't seek forgiveness. God, help us to be people that are known by how gracious forgiving we are. God, how powerful would it be in our own relationships if we were able to find healing instead of more fights, instead of being disconnected. God, I pray in this room for all the marriages, all the close relationships, all the families. God, I pray that you would bind hearts together. You'd give us all a forgiving spirit, that you'd help repair any wounds that have been had in the past that you'd bring us together and help us not to be separate. God, help us, we pray. Give us the supernatural power to do what you do, and that is forgive. Take a moment right now and ask God for forgiveness. Maybe you need to be reminded of some of the places you've been, some of the things that you've done. And reflect on the fact that God has forgiven you. The point isn't to dwell and dwell and have all this regret. The point is to find a place where we say, God, thank you. You've healed me. You've forgiven me to be set free. But likewise, we have to extend the same thing to others. So even if it's a journey, even if it takes time, I want you to start today by Offering just a prayer. Say, God, I forgive this person for this. Start with that. Even if you don't mean it right away, even if it hasn't sunken into your heart and soul, start with the prayer and keep praying until something changes in your heart, something changes in your life, and you're able to let go.